everybody welcome back to another episode of simply unprofessional i'm your host webby join me tonight we got rob hey everybody it's rob and we got devin hey everybody it's me devin how y'all going oh devin you sound like an old man now ah maybe you know what let's kick this uh i'm hearing myself through you again jesus i don't know what it is (laughs) It's your new headset. It's it's your microphone on your new headset. That's picking me up. It's the only <coughs> thing that can come through your microphone on your new headset is just me. I guess. Um, we're going to kick this episode off talking about racism. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I, I'm happy you said you were kidding because I was going to go full on into it. <laughs> Listen, according to Devin, I cured racism. It's a long story. Yeah, it, it's a long story. It involves the color. Uh, maybe, black. maybe if you're lucky, <laughs> we'll tell you one day. Yeah, if you're that curious, send me a message. I'll tell you what happened. Gather uh, around the campfire, kids. Yeah, stay a while and listen. Gather around the campfire. <laughs> All right. So this week, it's we're like gonna... that old man from Gauntlet. I was I was going for Decker Kane from Diablo, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I was going like Green Wizard from Gauntlet, like. This week, we're going to continue our D&D class rankings. Um, Last week, we did... Oh, shit. Druid? Also. I think, yeah. uh, No, last... Yeah, okay, I wasn't here. So, yeah, you guys did do Druid. Also, 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 uh, sidebar, completely off topic, but I just wanted to say it. Uh, I did watch the new Scream movie that's out on Paramount, and it's good. I do like it. It was was an interesting reboot. Slash, was it scary? It was, it was, it was more like Scream One. It was very much like Scream One. And that was kind of what they were going for, where it's like how the the kills and everything played out. It's very much like Scream One, but it was like a Scream One. I will say this: all the funny things that happen, like all the all the things that happen in Scream, or in all slasher movies, were like, oh, why didn't the killer just do this? Uh, they solve a lot of that. Um, this is like a mini review. They solve a lot of that, but they also leave the tropiness of the survivors, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, they still do stupid stuff. So, like, the killers are smart, but are smarter. But I feel like the other people are still the same, which is fine. Like, you know, I, when I watch a slash movie, I'm expecting to see, like, tropes and, you know, certain things that it's like, okay, well, if you just did this, you would solve your situation. And I always just like write it off in my head. If, well, they're in the middle of trying to being killed. Adrenaline's kicking in. They're not really thinking clearly. Um, they're just making decisions. I mean, that's true. Yeah. I mean, and that's how I always write off in my head. And that's how it, I, I, mean, I, I make panic, it make sense. Panic sets in and right, right. kind of rationale sets in and then, goes out the window. Exactly. Like panic sets in and you push on a door that says pull. 
and then the killer just slowly walks up behind you and stabs you. That's not a um, scene from the movie. That I'm just laughing about that. So, r- real quick, Devin, uh, before we get into these fighters' uh, rankings of their archetypes, you weren't here last week. We did all of the druid ones. We okay. managed to get through all of them. Do you want me to do like uh, a quick, like off the cuff? I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you what we rated it, and I want your opinions on them real quick. Okay, give me. Okay. One second. Yep. Go, ready. All right. So the circle of dreams, we ended up giving an A minus. Uh, yeah, I would say that A minus, A minus B plus. I'm, I'm with it. Okay. Uh, the circle of spores, we ended up giving a B plus. Spores, eh? Like, I feel like it's really good, but I feel it is. Uh, it does have a. It all. It feels like it's almost situational, or like it would. Like, Role play wise, I think it's cool. Uh, I think it's kind of situational, um, but I do like it. Uh, so yeah, like B minus, B B minus for me. Okay. Uh, circle of stars, we gave a B minus. Yeah, no, I agree with that flat out. Okay. Uh, circle of the land, we gave a B plus. Yeah, I mean that's the. Spellcastery fucking druid. If you want to be a spellcaster druid, there, there you go. It's, yep. it's fine. Also, um, Rob, yep. I think Tilly's stuck. <laughs> She's doing her little help me yelps. <clears throat> uh, did you have anything else to say about the circle of the land? No, I mean it's just it was like it's it's the basic. I mean you have that and you have the moon. I think they're basic. I think it's like I think the moon is a little bit better. Um, just because it, you feel more unique playing a Circle of the Moon Druid, well, but a Circle of the Land's totally fine. I'm glad you said that. Circle of the Moon Druid earned an astounding S-plus from us. Yeah, no, it's solid. It's solid, especially if you're creative with your wild shape forms and your DM is not a dick. Um, and speaking of which, being your DM not being a dick, talking about the next one, I'm assuming which is Shepard. Uh, circle of yeah, the shepherd. Shepherd. Uh, if you're D- if you don't want to be a dick to if you want to be a dick to your DM, this one's great. Um, also, yes, like, it, this one this I, one's really good. If you are <laughs> like, I was going to make Tez this originally, but I mean, you talked about it, and I was like, Webby, I'm not going to do this to you because at like, one point I could like summon like 50 things, yes, and I'm like, that's a lot. I of will track. say <laughs> this: that was brought up. Overall, we ended up giving it an A minus because it is a good solid build. You know, it's a good solid uh, uh, a circle for a druid. But me and Rob gave our own opinions as DMs what we would rank this. Uh, Rob gave it a D minus, and I gave it an FF. Yeah, no, no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. This is it's it's the most it's the most BSable fucking thing. Now, um, this is going to be a small tangent, but you know what's SU without small tangents, right? Uh, the circle of the shepherd and combined with the circle of the moon is like the a weird combination of how druids used to be when druids used to ha- used to get animal companions that were better than the rangers animal companions and they right. would scale with their level um so you would have like you could, you could cast spells that would boost your animal companion and it was basically a, 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 a when you a maxed out druid it was basically just another party member um, right, and, and I mean, yeah, don't get me was... wrong. The circle of the moon, we all we all did give it various S's, which ended up coming out as being an S plus. But I mean, I did go through the tangent of like 
there it is like a small roller coaster. You go through method, you know, you go through times of being underpowered and overpowered and underpowered. Yeah, it is. It is. But Overall, once you hit that level you, twenty capstone, yeah. that capstone, game. or even not even just a capstone too. Like I think it's Circle of the Moon is one of those classes, one of those uh, subclasses that really rewards creative players. Yeah. Yep. So if if you if you're a creative player and you're like, well, this may not be the most useful WoW shape in combat, but it has this one niche ability that helps me do things. Right. Like I, you know, fucking circle back around to like this is not D and D, but like circle back around when we were while playing Vamp, and you tried to blind me, and I'm like, oh yeah, wait, remember like four months ago when you cursed me with that coin, and I got the dual eyelids that don't blind me. This is that super niche, but right. uh, I can't be blinded. You're like, oh well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, stupid shit like that. Like if you if you kind of if you read the monster manual and you read the bestiary and you kind of like know what bees do and know like the situations in which to like apply certain creatures, you can be a pain in the ass out of combat and in combat because right. you can kind of circumvent a lot of things. So I think it's it's kind of cool. It's a very cool thing that rewards players who really want to like dive deep into it. Um, but I mean, there's nothing also wrong with just going like brown bear. Uh, dire wolf, brown bear, velociraptor, go burr. There's right. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, we have the circle of the wildfire. We ended up giving it. It yeah, ended up see? coming. Uh, no, it ended up coming up an A plus. Every single one of us gave it an A of some fashion. Um, it is a very. We felt it was a very solid druid circle. Um. I think it's solid. Like I'm, I'm reading it through. It's and just like every time. We, we every took time into I read account it, thematics too. Like thematically. Okay. All the thematically, I think it's a very cool class. Thematically, I do think that a very cool class thematically. Um, however, I the issue I have with it is the wildfire spirit it, taking up your wild shape features instead of just being like so many times per day, and that's only because. I can't think of almost any situation where I would rather summon this over wild shape. Fair. <laughs> I don't remember how long that, that, that spirit stays out for. Um, it manifests for one hour until it's reduced to zero hit points or until you use the yeah, feature okay, again so or until you die. Yeah. So, but so yeah, I mean, that's the only thing about that. It's like, it's not bad. Um, the, Cauterizing flames are pretty cool, especially if your party members don't know you can do that. And you're just like, hey, you see that like that like glowing orb right there of flame? You're like, yeah, like walk into that for a second. Like, why? Just right. do it. <laughs> but I mean, we even took into account, you know, having to summon it. It, it does it does say that it, it it can do damage to any creature within a certain vicinity. Uh so that would include allies. Um yeah. But it's still, we, I mean, I mean we, yeah. we, we determined, it, we, we all thought it was a very solid... No, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just when, I, I'm looking at it from this way, like, I'd rather wild, I'd rather wild shape than summon a wildfire spirit. Fire is the most resistant damage type in the game. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so I mean, um, I would give it poison, a one... Yeah, poison and fire, I think, are the big two that are the most... I think poison is the most immune type of damage yeah, in the game. Like, yeah. there are things just flat out immune to poison. There's a lot. Um, but as far as resistances, I think fire is, takes the cake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a fine class. Like, you're not... I don't think you're gimping yourself playing it. I just think... I just have a hard time, like, being like, well, I'd rather not wild shape. I'd rather do this instead. Right. Um, that's just me. Like, I, I would probably give it, like, a B. But that's okay. 
All right. So with that, we're going to get into the fighter ones. Uh, now, there are technically 11 that we're going to be going over. We're going to try to plow through at least five of them um, this episode. Depending on time, we'll try to get to a six. I have, I have six of them earmarked if that like on paper so if we don't get all of them well, i have earmarked the arcane archer the banneret the battle master the cavalier the all champion right. and the gunslinger i don't see us doing the banneret they're spending long on that just because it's if i, if I remember the banneret it's not a very good class <laughs> uh, i'm just writing them down on my little card here i got my little notepad open too so i can keep them keep records do you happen to have records of uh the one the monk yeah i do all right can you send that to me afterwards yeah, just sure. just what we pretty much overall ranked uh champion there you go i just posted in general chat <laughs> echo night no, i fucking spelled night wrong i spelled it like nighttime that's cool of me i mean that's fine now, now I want to just make a now I want to make a fighter a fighter subclass called the Night Knight. <laughs> night Knight, bitch. <laughs> the Knight N I G H T Knight K N I G H T Night Knight. Cy Warrior. Everybody go Night Knight. Everybody go Night Knight. Night Knight. And Samurai. So we're gonna do Devin. Rob, me, overall. Uh, and we're going to do Devin, Rob, me, overall. Oh, my neck. Brutal. <clears throat> okay. Uh, with this, uh, Devin, why don't you read Arcane Archer for us? All right. Or are we going to cover the actual base fighter class? Oh, yeah. Uh, Rob, why don't you cover what all fighters get? Okie dokie. All right. So, uh, also, everyone, today is Tuesday. I don't care not, what anyone else says. <laughs> it has today been Wednesday <laughs> all day, and there's only 15 minutes left of Wednesday. I know. Mean, to be fair, to be fair, I wish it was Tuesday because I don't have to work tomorrow. It's also, Tuesday. whatever day you're listening to this, it's Tuesday. I don't that's care also, if it says Friday. It's also not <laughs> I might just Tuesday. call in tomorrow. I don't play going to work. I might just call in tomorrow. <laughs> I'm tempted to do it. Tell him you're sick. No, I seriously might just call in sick. Like, hey, I'm 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 not feeling well today. I'm not gonna be. <laughs> All right, fighters. All right, now that that's over with, fighters. Uh, so your hit die is a D10. <laughs> uh, you get proficiency with all armor and shields, simple weapons, and martial weapons. You are not proficient in any tools. Your saving throws proficiencies are strength and constitution. You get to choose two skills from acrobatics, animal handling, athletics, history, insight, intimidation, perception, and survival. Hey, Rob, can I interrupt you for a second? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know why, what the way you're talking and saying this right now, I'm, like, imagining it, and now I'm kind of, like, setting a whole scene for all of these episodes. We're just gathering a bunch of aspiring fighters in, like, a castle courtyard, 
and you're like the town scryer explaining like what they all get and you're like walking in line <laughs> just giving them shit yeah. And then, like, we at the end of the day, we all, like, debate on the pros and cons of each of the classes, and then they all just pick which one they want to go. That's, like, in my head now, like, what I'm picturing. It's like the Misthaven Adventurers Guild, where these are prospects. We're just telling them what they get. <laughs> yep. It's like, you get a D10 hit dice, you just hand them an actual D10, like, what the fuck is this gonna do for me? <laughs> it's magical. When you level up, you roll it. When do I level up? We'll get there. All right. Uh, so for fight, no problem. Uh, so you get to choose two of those. I don't know if I said two, but two of those skills. Uh, so fighting style. At first level as a fighter, you adopt a fighting style uh, of a particular specialty. Choose one of the following options. You can't take a fighting style option more than once, even if you later get to choose again. Fighting style archery. You gain a plus two bonus to attack rolls you make with ranged weapons. Fighting style defense. While you're wearing armor, you gain a plus one bonus to armor class. Fighting style dueling. When you are wielding a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons, you gain a plus two bonus to damage rolls with that weapon. Fighting style great weapon fighting. When you roll a one or two on a damage die for an attack you make with a melee weapon that you are wielding with two hands, you can re-roll the die and must use new roll, even if the new roll is a one or a two. The weapon must have a two-handed or versatile property for you to gain this benefit. Fighting style protection. When a creature you can see attacks a target other than you within five feet of you, you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage on that attack roll. You must be wielding a shield. And fighting style two-weapon fighting. When you engage in two-weapon fighting, you can add your ability modifier to the damage of the second attack. There are additional fighting styles if you scroll down just a little bit, Rob, under optional class features. Yeah, but those are we've never done the optional class features before. We've, okay, we've always allowed them in the games, so I just don't understand. Like, we might as well. If they're well, I'm just there, saying. I mean, the other ones. I mean, have have we done a, a class where the other ones have been listed yet? Yeah. Oh, then that's on you. <laughs> okay. Why, why aren't you Why aren't you reading these things, Rob? Because they're optional. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get them. Well, fine. Okay. Optional fighting styles, blind fighting. You have blind sight within a range of 10 feet. Within that range, you can effectively see anything that isn't being high in total cover. Even if you're blinded or in darkness, moreover, you can see an invisible creature within that range unless the creature successfully hides from you. Fighting style interception. When a creature you can see hits a target other than you within 5 feet of you with an attack, you can use your reaction to reduce the damage the target takes by 1d10. Plus your proficiency bonus to a minimum of zero damage. You must be wielding a shield or a simple or martial weapon to use this reaction. This is why I don't read these, because they're way longer and more complicated. Uh, fighting style, superior technique. You learn one maneuver of choice from among those available to the Battlemaster archetype. If your maneuver you use requires you to target to make a saving throw to resist the maneuver's effects, and the saving throw DC equals 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your strength or dex modifier your choice. You gain one superiority die, which is a D6. This is a D die that is added to any superiority dice you have from any other source. So see, like, people aren't even going to know what superiority dice are. But they I'm will this once we come die to is used master. to fuel your maneuvers. A superiority die is expended when you use it to regain... Your expended superiority die when you finish a short or long rest. 
Thrown weapon fighting. You can draw a weapon that has the thrown property as part of the attack you make with the weapon. In addition, when you hit with a ranged attack using a thrown weapon, you get a plus two bonus to the damage roll. Unarmed fighting. Your unarmed strikes can deal bludgeoning damage equal to 1d6 plus your strength modifier and hit. If you aren't wielding any weapons or a shield when you make the attack roll, the d6 becomes a d8. At the start of each of your turns, you can deal 1d4 bludgeoning damage to one creature grappled by you. Martial versatility. Whenever you reach a level in this class that grants the ability score improvement feature, you can do one of the following as you shift your focus to your martial practice. Replace a fighting style you know uh, with another fighting style available to fighters. If you know any maneuvers from the Battlemaster archetype, you can replace one maneuver you know with a different maneuver. So that's along the same lines of uh, like bards being able to switch out spells when they level up. Just this is only available to you uh, on all of the ASI um, levels. So. Alright. Back up to Second Wind. Second Wind. You have a limited well of stamina that you can draw on to protect yourself from harm. On your turn, you can use a bonus action to regain hit points equal to 1d10 plus your fighter level. Once you use this feature, you must finish a short or long rest to use it again. At second level, you gain Action Surge. You can push yourself beyond the normal limits for a moment. On your turn, you can take one additional action. Once you use this feature, you must finish a short or long rest before you can use it again. Starting at 17th level, you can use it twice before a rest, but only once in the same turn. Martial Archetype. At third level, you choose an archetype. Well, that's the what we're going to be going over. So at third level, you get to pick your subclass. Yeah. Uh... Ability score improvements. At fifth, extra attack at fifth level, you can attack twice instead of once whenever you take the attack action on your turn. The number of attacks increases to three when you reach 11th level and to four when you reach 20th level. Indomitable. At ninth level, you can re-roll a saving throw that you failed. If you do so, you must use the new roll, and you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. Once you use this feature twice, um, or you can use this feature twice between long rests starting at 13th level, <laughs> and three times between rest starting at 17th. Uh, and that's it. Now, I will say it is worth noting for anybody who is going to go look, the ability score improvements are slightly different for fighters, meaning that they get more of them. Uh, I believe they are the class that gets the most ability score improvements in the game. Yes. Uh, yes. So you get, six get the first to one usual you reach four. fourth level, and then sixth, eighth, twelfth, fourteenth, sixteenth, and nineteenth. Yep. So sixth instead of the usual four. Because usually you, it's either ability score improvement or a feat. You get seven. Um, seven? Four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth, seven. sixth, eighth, twelfth, fourteenth, sixteenth. Four, sixth, eighth, twelfth. Yeah. You get seven. So you get seven to four. Or five, right? Yeah. There is, like, I think Monk gets an extra one over the normal amount. One of the other classes also gets an extra one, but... I think it's Ranger. Fighters for sure get the most. Yeah, fighters, that's kind of their shtick. Okay, so with that, we're going to get into the archetypes, starting with Arcane Archer. I'll let Devin read this one. All right, the Arcane Archer. At third level, you get Arcane Archer lore. At third level, you learn magical theory or some of the secrets of nature, typical for practitioners of this elven martial tradition. You choose to gain proficiency in either the Arcane or the Nature skill 
and you choose to learn either the Preston Dissertation or Jurycraft Cantrip. Also, at their level, you get Arcane Shot. You learn to unleash special magical effects with some of your shots. When you gain this feature, you learn two Arcane Shots options of your choice. See Arcane Shot options below. Um, once per turn, when you fire an arrow from a short bow or long bow as part of the attack action, you can apply one of your Arcane Shot options to that arrow. You decide to use that option when the arrow hits, unless excuse me, unless the option doesn't involve an attack roll. You have two uses of this ability, and you regain all the expended uses of it when you finish a short or long rest. You gain an additional arcane shot option of your choice when you reach certain levels in this class. 7th, 10th, 15th, and 18th level. Each option also improves when you become an 18th level fighter. Magic arrow at 7th level. Uh, at 7th level, you gain the ability to infuse arrows with magic. Whenever you fire a non-magical arrow from a short bow or a long bow, you can make it magical for the purpose of overcoming damage resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. Magic phase from the arrow immediately after it hits or misses its target. Also, at level 7, you get Curving Shot. You learn how to direct an errant arrow towards a new target. When you make an attack roll with a magic arrow and miss, you can use a bonus action to reroll the attack roll against a different target within 60 feet of the original target. 15th level, you get Ever Ready Shot. Your magical archery is available whenever battle starts. If you roll initiative and have no uses of Arcane Shot remaining, you regain one use of it. And now we're getting into the Arcane Shot Holy option. Holy shit, You're this guy's level 15th ability is the level 20 Bard Capstone. Sorry. Yep. I, we always yep. have to shit on the Bard Capstone. The Bard Capstone. Although, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, don't, I think this class is kind of... All right, I'll stay here for the rating. Um... Arcane shot options. Um, so these are arcane shot options. Your arcane shot DC is equal to 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your intelligence modifier. Your first one is banishing arrow. You use abjuration magic to try and to temporarily banish your target to a harmless location in the Feywild. The creature hit by an arrow must also succeed on a charisma saving throw or be banished. While banished in this way, its speed is 0 and it is incapacitated at the end of its, end of its next turn. The target reappears in the space it vacated or its nearest unoccupied space so that space is occupied. After you reach 18th level in this class, the target also takes 2d6 force damage when the arrow hits it. Wow. Uh, you get Beguiling Arrow. Your enchantment magic causes this arrow to temporarily beguile its target. Uh, the creature hit by this arrow takes an extra 2d6 psychic damage and choose one of your allies within 30 feet of the target. The target must also succeed on a wisdom saving throw. Or it is charmed by the chosen ally until the start of your next turn. This effect in early if the chosen ally attacks the charmed target, deals damage to it, or forces it to make a saving throw. The psychic damage increases to 46 when you reach 18th level in this class. You get bursting arrow. Um, you imbue your arrows with fourth energy drawn from the school of evocation. The arrow detonates after your attack, immediately after the arrow hits the creature. The target and all other creatures within 10 feet of it take 2d6 force damage each. The force damage increases to 46 at 18th level. You get Enfeebling Arrow. Um, you shoot your arrow when the creature's hit by the arrow. They take 2d6 necrotic damage. Um, extra 2d6 necrotic damage. Also, let's make a con saving throw or the damage dealt by this weapon. Uh, dealt by his weapon attack is half until the start of your next turn. Necrotic damage increases to 46. Grasping Arrow. The creature hit by the arrow takes additional 2d6 poison. Its speed is reduced by 10 feet, and it takes 2d6 slashing the first time on each turn. It moves one foot or more without teleporting. The target or any creature that can reach it can use its action to remove the brambles with a successful strength athletics check against your arcane shot save DC. Otherwise, the brambles last for one minute or until it uses option again. The poison damage and slashing damage both increase to 46 when you reach 18th level. 
Piercing arrow. You use transportation magic to give your arrows the an ethereal quality. When you use this option, you don't make an attack roll for the attack instead. You don't make an attack roll for the attack instead. The arrow fires forward in a line, which is one foot wide by 30 feet long before disappearing. The arrow passes harmlessly through objects, ignoring cover. Each creature in that line must make a deck saving throw and a fail save. Creature takes damage hit by the arrow, plus one an extra 1d6 piercing. On a successful save, it takes half as much. The piercing damage increases to 2d6 when you reach 18th level. Seeking arrow. Using divination magic, you grow an arrow. Uh, you grant an arrow with the ability to seek out your target, allowing the arrow to curve and twist its path in search of its prey. When you use this option, you don't make an attack roll for the attack. Instead, choose one creature you have seen in the past minute. The arrow flies towards that creature, moving around corners as necessary, and ignoring three quarters cover and half cover. If the target is within the range of the weapon, and there is a path large enough for the arrow to travel to the target. The target must make a deck saving throw and a fail save. It takes damage as if we're hit by the arrow, plus an extra 1d6 force damage. And you learn the, learn the target's current location. On a successful save, the target takes half as much damage, and you don't learn its location. The force damage increases to 2d6 when you reach 18th level. And last but not least, Shadow Arrow. You weave illusion magic into your arrow, causing it to occlude your foe's vision with shadows. The creature hit by the arrow takes an extra 2d6 psychic damage, and it must succeed in a whiz saving throw or be unable to see anything further than 5 feet away until the start of your next turn. The psychic damage increases to 46 when you reach 18th level in this class. <sighs> okay. I mean, there's a lot to unpack on that one. There is. I hit it. Uh, <laughs> In addition to all these shots that Devin just read, keep in mind, you can only use one of these per round, apparently. One per round, and you only get two of them. That, and that number doesn't change. Right. Like, you can, you learn more shots, but you only can use two shots. Uh, also, some of these uh, level these, these damage increases at 18th level, high, high rollers. High rollers here. Two D, it increases by 2d6. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand why they tied the arcane shot to just two. It should be uh, equal to your proficiency bonus, equal to whatever. Your ability score modifier. Something. Uh, yeah. Two, um, just two. Just two. Not two say, plus your not two plus your fighter level, not two plus your ability score. Just two. You get yeah. two of them. And you have to use either a short bow or a long bow. You cannot use hand crossbows. Or, yep, you can use a, cro a crossbow, a hand crossbow. Um, although, although Webby, although Webby, don't, don't forget, at 15th level, you get one at the beginning of, you get one shot back at the beginning of combat. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I will say I did play, I, play, I played around with this build in, one of, in, in a game that you ran for us briefly, Devin. And um, you did not like it that much. I, I didn't. <laughs> Um, uh, this did reading over this, this did, I have a question for both of you now Okay. and it's, 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 if I've been doing it wrong, I'm going to continue doing it wrong. Cause I frankly don't care. Um, for, especially for overcoming the purposes of magical resistance. Okay. You know, eventually people want to strive to get a magical weapon so you can get past the creatures who are immune to just regular bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons, right? Yeah. If firing, if you're, if, you, if you're an archer, okay, would your, to overcome magical resistance, would your bow have to be magical or would the ammunition have to be magical? Technically, either one. Oh, it can be either? Yeah. Okay. If I remember correctly, I thought it was 
I thought it was both, or the arrow had to be. No, um, it can be either one. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so a, a mundane bow shooting magical arrows counts as magical. A magical, and a magical bow, bow shooting mundane, shooting mundane arrow arrows counts. still counts as magical. Yes. All right. I, I've always that is a, based that off is the a, bow, not the ammunition. That is a rarely used, um, used thing in most D and D games. Anyway. Yeah. Really, because usually your party has some form of magical weapon or something <coughs> about at level three. Right. Uh, okay, so we're going to start with Rob. Rob, how would you rate this this subclass for fighter? Um, I am a fan of archers. I really like bow attacks in D&D. However, the fact that this is your whole archetype and you can only use it twice in a whole battle, it's like, Well, no. in per round, I believe. No, no, no. It's, no. No, it's yeah, maybe two, it is you, just twice. Yeah. You learn two arcane shot options and you... um. Well, you can learn more of the options, more options, but, but you, you have two uses of this ability, and that's yeah. it. You have two uses of ability <laughs> until you complete a short rest or long rest, and you regain one at level 15 at the beginning of combat. So yeah. there you go. And, and you can't use both of them in the same round. <laughs> no. Or, like on the same and they're not very, And they're not very like damaging boostful. Like a better archer, you could literally just play a battle master and flavor the battle techniques as magical. <laughs> right. Like you literally could just like. Now, don't uh, get me wrong. Like, I like some of these. Some of, no, some of the arrows the are. Some of the shots. shots are cool. They're really cool. Like the piercing one's really dope. Um, the but, uh, fucking. See, I would just assume as a DM. The banishing just, one's dope. I would just assume turn these into magical arrows that you could sell. Yeah, that would be a much better way to do this. That'd be a much better way to do this. They this class should have literally instead of the arcane archer lore giving you proficiency in arcana or nature, it should have been arcana. Um, it should have gave you proficiency in arcana, gave you the proper tools, proficiency with the proper tools to make arrows, and literally you could have you should have been making these arrows. Um, and that's how you should have been doing that. Like you can make these arrows and imbue these arrows, um, with, with these abilities up to, you know, you only can hold up to a certain number or possess up to a certain number. If you try to produce any more, you, you know, the first one you made, the oldest one you made would disappear. If that makes sense. Right. So that's how that should have been done. Or they should have just been like, Hey, you can use these shots. Um, Two plus your proficiency bonus, or two plus your intelligence modifier. Right. Yeah. Sometimes per day. Not just hey, not you get fucking two. Of two. These per rest. <laughs> not two. Not two. Uh, because legitimately, you can take a battle master. In a battle master is a better archer with some very similar t- techniques, just not magical. So, um, so with that, Rob, what would your grade be for this? I'm giving it a C minus, and that's only because I really like archers. C minus. All right, Devin, what would you give it? I am also a fan of archers in D anD. d You know this. I've played a, quite a few of them. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I'm not as nice as Rob. I'm going to give this a flat out D. A D. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've played this, and I even approached Devin, who was the DM at the time, and told him that this was very underwhelming. And I mean, I was excited at first. 
uh, seeing the different arrow shots. And, and it, what really drove it home was the, just like what Rob said, the fact that you only can use this twice per rest. And I thought that was miserable. Um, because then it's like, well, now you can just pew pew with normal arrows. Yeah, you're a worst yeah. archer. Like you, you'd be better off being a battle master at that point because you're right. a worst, you're a worst archer um, every other time except for two shots. Yeah, so I'm I'm also going to give it a D. I, I was not a fan when I played it, and I do hope that you know maybe they change something about this. Maybe you know down the line they 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 alter it a little bit with some you know. Uh, unearthed arcana or, or something and they make some revisions to it and and hopefully they do a little bit better um yeah with this because i'd like to see the arcane archer actually be a viable thing um right, right. so with that uh, uh c minus and two d's would that bring it down to like a d plus d plus or just a d it's kind yeah. of in between. I'm gonna put yeah, it because yeah. I don't yeah. want to give. Usually, it so usually I don't. Usually, this is how I. And this is for just everybody out there when I'm doing like the. If there's only three of us, when if I'm doing the reference or like doing the final grade, if two people rate it the same thing, unless the first person rates it wildly different, like Rob gives it or Webby or Rob gives it like an A, and we both give it like D's. I usually won't go through the trouble of averaging out everything. I'll just take the majority. <laughs> And give it that great. <laughs> I'm mean, fair. I just want to do it the same way we've oh, been doing it. Frick. Oh, I got a Charlie horse. How's it going, everybody? Um, hey. The next up is Battlemaster. I'll, I'll read Battlemaster. This one is also kind of lengthy. Um, okay, so, uh, real, real quick, did you want to alphabetically? Did you want to knock out the banneret? Because that that's real short. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, Rob, do you hey. have the banneret one? I do not. I, I, I can read that one All real right. quick. De- Devin can read it. There's literally only four right. things you get. It's four class. things. It's four things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Banneret. Um, from Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Uh, at level three, you get a rallying cry. Uh, when you choose archetype at third level, you learn how to inspire your allies to fight on past their injuries. When you use your second wind feature, you can choose up to three creatures from 60 feet of you that are allied with you. Each one regains hit points equal to your fighter level, provided that the creature can see or hear you. Um, Royal Envoy, knights of high standing are expect- expected to conduct themselves with grace. At seventh level, you gain proficiency in the persu- persuasion skill. If you are already proficient in it, you gain proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice. Animal handling, insight, intimidation, or performance. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make that uses persuasion. You receive this benefit regardless of the skill proficiency you gain from this feature. Uh, Level 10, you get Inspiring Surge. Starting at 10th level, when you use your Action Surge feature, you can choose one creature within 60 feet of you that has allied with you. That creature can make one melee or ranged weapon attack with its reaction, provided that it can see or hear you. Starting at 18th level, you can choose two allies within 60 feet of you rather than one. And then at 15th level, you get Bulwark. Um, Beginning at 15th level, you can extend the benefit of your Indomitable feature to an ally. When you decide to use Indomitable to re-roll an Intelligence, Wisdom, or uh, Charisma saving throw, and you aren't incapacitated, you can choose one ally within 60 feet of you that also failed the saving throw against the same effect. If that creature can see or hear you, it can re-roll its saving throw and must use the new roll. So there you go. Right. I feel like this was kind of trying to be on par with um, what's that fourth edition class that was like that 
it's I think it was literally at night. Like it's literally replacing the night. Like there was a night class uh that was kind of like a fighter that was like a supporting fighter. Yeah. Um and it it wasn't fourth, it was like I'm not not overly thrilled with this this archetype, but I think it's better than the Arcane Archer. I'll be honest with you. I think the Banneret, I think on paper, it's one of those classes that will play very, very vanilla and very boring. Yeah. But I do think if you have one in your group and you're in like, they're kind of doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like, you know, they're playing like maybe like second tank to like your, your barbarian, um, giving your barbarian some extra health or giving your, you know, your frontline, some extra health, I mean, yeah, giving you an extra action. That reroll on an intelligence or wisdom save. I mean, it's dope. <laughs> it's I'm dope. Having, I'm having DM nightmares of half this, half artificer with the flash of genius shit. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like giving them that or giving yeah, them let's the ability. Not, let's of... not tell some people about this, <laughs> this archetype. <laughs> yeah. And they're or like giving them the ability to all to make an additional attack when you action surge. Right. I mean, it's kind of cool. Like, I think it's a really cool thing. It takes me back to when I said, Webby, uh, I'm going to make a uh, you were going to play, I think, a bear totem or something, and you were going to play a small bear totem barbarian. I was going to play a centaur, but I was going to be in. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to take the cavalier. An- uh, I was going to take the, uh, you take the cavalier, and I was going to be your mount. I was going to be your mount as, yeah. the, as the ancient guardian's barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to do that one. Um, We're still going to put that in the back burner. I still want to do that one day. All right. So, but yeah. What do you rate uh, this one, Devin? I give it a C. I think all it's. Right. I think it's very not. It's not flashy at all. But I don't think it's bad. All right, Rob. What about you? Uh, I'll give it a B for utility. I mean, it's not very. Doesn't seem very fun. But right. utility wise, it's yeah. Um. You know what? I'll give it a B too. A B? Yeah. Right, that's fair. That's fair. It's uh, not. It's, it's again, not. Bad it's not flashy, but it's it's like you said. It's not bad. It, it, it's definitely it's, a good. It's pure utility. It's definitely a good. Like you're gonna back up like the tank. You would have to be a yeah. specific type of player to enjoy this class, right? Like I now, still I really want to play. I will um, say this. Like a mastermind rogue. Oh, me same too. kind of the same deal. I, like I kind of the same deal. We're like. Where like a mastermind rogue is not really is not for everybody because it it literally is not you're never going you're as the rogue character you you're never going to be like like oh this is you're gonna do like eighteen times more damage. you're never gonna be the star of the show but like right. and I, this is how I feel about this class right people will never notice that you're there but they will they will they will notice when you're gone yes if that makes sense uh, yeah I like agree with the that. way this class plays out like. Nobody in battle or nobody in any situation is really going to notice that you're there. You're not going to do anything that stands out. But when you're not there, they're going to be like, oh, shit, this is much harder. <laughs> right. Um, this is like the this is like a, a boxing coach versus a boxer. You know, this, the yeah. boxing coach is there to, like, amp up the boxer. Uh, um, yeah. I will say a, a lot of the – God, I – Rob, I might have to ask you to close your door. I just, I'm trying to talk low and I keep hearing myself. Um, I lost my train of thought. A lot of the fighter archetypes, I feel like people get bored with fighters and barbarians and like that class as a whole because a lot of what you're going to do is just 
run up and smack something and then smack yeah. something again. You don't have a million spells to choose from. You're not super utility. Some of yeah. these, some of these archetypes that we're going to be going over do make you far more utility uh, based, but ultimately you're still just going to run around and smack stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you and you, uh, you are the for people who understand this reference, you are the Mickey Goldmill to the Barbarians, Rocky Balboa. Yeah, yeah, Mickey to Rocky. <laughs> That's, that's right. You're Mickey to Rocky. Yeah. You know, you're in there and you're kind of standing on the sidelines. Yeah, go get him, kid. You know, go get him, Rock. Uh, all right. So he's had enough. That was the what the banneret. The banneret. Yep. We gave it an overall B. Um, moving on to the battle master. Uh, you get combat superiority. This is where those superiority dice come from. Um, from early on. When you choose this archetype at third level, you learn maneuvers that are fueled by special dice called superiority dice. So your maneuvers. You can learn three maneuvers of your choice, which are detailed under the maneuvers section below. Many maneuvers enhance an attack in some fashion. You can only you can use only one maneuver per attack. You learn two additional maneuvers of your choice at 7th, 10th, and 15th level. Each time you learn a new maneuver, you can also replace one maneuver that you know with a different one. Um, now, I want to just be mindful this is you can use... Or what did I just say? One maneuver per attack? Right? Where did I just read? Yeah, it's uh, one. it should be one maneuver per attack. Yeah, one maneuver per attack. That's not per round okay, or per rest. Uh, now, superiority dice. You have four superiority dice, which are D8s. A superiority dice is expended when you use it. You regain all of your expended superiority dice when you finish a short or long rest. You gain another superiority die at 7th level and one more at 15th level. Um, so you can have up to six. Saving throws. Some of your maneuvers require your target to make a saving throw to resist the maneuver's effects. The saving throw DC is calculated as follows. It's 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your strength or dexterity modifier your choice. Um, student of War. At third level, you gain proficiency with one type of artisan's tools of your choice. Now for the maneuvers. There's a maneuver list. Uh... Ambush. When you make a dexterity stealth check or an initiative roll, you can expend one superiority die and add the die to the roll, provided that you aren't incapacitated. Now, be mindful, because I have had people ask me this in the, in the past, you don't get to just add eight. You have to roll the dice and you add it to these things. Uh, bait and switch. When you're within five feet of a creature on your turn, you can expend one superiority die and switch places with that creature, provided you spend at least five feet of movement and the creature is willing and isn't incapacitated. This movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. Uh, roll the superiority die until the start of your next turn. You or the other creature, your choice, gains a bonus to AC equal to the number rolled. <clears throat> um, brace. 
when a creature you can see moves into the reach uh, you have with the melee weapon that you're wielding, you can use your reaction to expend one superiority die and make one attack against the creature using that weapon. If the attack hits, add the superiority die to the weapon's damage roll. Uh, Commander Strike. When you take the attack action on your turn, you can forego one of your attacks and use a bonus action to direct one of your companions to strike. When you do so, choose a friendly creature who you can see and hear you, who can see and or hear you, and expend one superiority die. That creature can immediately use its reaction to make one weapon attack, adding the superiority die to the attack's damage roll. Uh, uh, um... Commanding Presence. When you make a Charisma Intimidation, a Charisma Performance, or a Charisma Persuasion check, you can expend one Superiority Die and add the Superiority Die to the Ability check. Uh, Disarming Attack. When you hit a creature with a Weapon Attack, you can expend one Superiority Die to attempt to disarm the target, forcing it to drop one item of your choice that it's holding. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and the target must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, it drops the object you choose. The object lands at its feet. Distracting Strike. Uh, When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to distract the creature, giving your allies an opening. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, The next attack roll against the target by an attacker other than you has advantage if the attack is made before the start of your next turn. Evasive Footwork. When you move, you can expend one superiority die, rolling the die and adding the number rolled to your AC until you stop moving. That's good against opportunity attacks. Uh, Fainting Attack. So much reading. Uh, You can expend one superiority die. And use a bonus action on your turn to feint, choosing one creature within five feet of you as your target. You have advantage on your next attack roll against that creature this turn. If that attack hits, add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll. Goading attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, that you can expend one superiority die to attempt to goad the target into attacking you. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and the target must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the target has disadvantage on all attack rolls against targets other than you until the end of your next turn. Grappling Strike. Immediately after you hit a creature with a melee attack on your turn, you can expend one superiority die and then try to grapple the target as a bonus action. Um, See the player's handbook for rules on grappling. Add the superiority die to your strength athletics check. Lunging attack. When you make a melee weapon attack on your turn, you can expend one superiority die to increase your reach for that attack by five feet. If you hit, you add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll. That's crazy if like you're if you're using like a halberd or something that already has like a ten foot reach, and then you use this, you can go up to fifteen feet. Anyway. Uh, maneuvering attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to do a maneuver to maneuver one of your comrades into a more advantageous position. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and you choose a friendly creature who you can see who can see or hear you. That creature then can use its reaction to move up to half its speed without provoking opportunity attacks from the target of your attack. Menacing attack. 
When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to frighten the target. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and the target must make a wisdom saving throw. On uh, a failed save, it is frightened of you until the end of your next turn. Parry. When another creature damages you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to expend one superiority die to reduce the damage by the number you roll on the superiority die plus your dex modifier. Uh, precision attack. When you make a weapon attack roll against a creature, you can spend one superiority die to add it to the roll. You can use this maneuver before or after making the attack roll, but before any effects of the attacks are applied. Uh, pushing attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to drive the target back. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and if the target is large or smaller, it must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, the, you push the target up to 15 feet away from you. Quick Toss. As a bonus action, you can expend one superiority die and make a ranged attack with a weapon that has the throne property. You can draw the weapon as part of making this attack. If you hit Add the superiority die to the weapon's damage roll. Rally. On your turn, you can use the you can use a bonus action to expend one superiority die to bolster the resolve of one of your companions. When you do so, choose a friendly creature who can see or hear you. That creature gains temporary hit points equal to the superiority die roll plus your charisma modifier. Repost. When a creature misses you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to expend one superiority superiority die to make a melee weapon attack against the creature. If you hit, you add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll. Sweeping attack. When you hit a when you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to damage another creature with the same attack. Oh, this would be great. Choose another creature within five feet of the original target and within your reach. If the original attack roll would hit the second creature, it takes damage equal to the number you roll on your superiority die. The damage is of the same type dealt by the original attack. Tactical... There's only two more, folks. <laughs> Tactical assessment... When you make an intelligence investigation, an intelligence history, or a wisdom insight check, you can expend one superiority die and add the superiority die to the ability check. Uh, not something that I feel like Ryder needs. Uh, last, lastly, under maneuvers, <laughs> trip attack. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to knock the target down. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and if the target is large or smaller, it must make a strength saving throw on a failed save. You knock the target prone. Now, you get Know Your Enemy at 7th level. If you spend at least one minute observing or interacting with another creature outside of combat, you can learn certain information about its capabilities compared to your own. The DM tells you if the creature is your equal, superior, or inferior in regard to two of the following characteristics of your choice. So you get to choose two of these things. Strength score, dex score, con score, armor class, current hit points, total class if or total class levels if any, or fighter class levels if any. Uh, at 10th level, you get improved combat superiority. Your superiority dice turns into D10s. At 18th level, they turn into D12s. 
Relentless, starting at 15th level, when you roll initiative and have no superiority dice remaining, you regain one superiority die. Again, it's the it's the bard thing. Uh, and lastly, improved combat superiority at 18th level, your superiority dice turns into d12s. So that's the Battlemaster. Um, I know Rob's out taking the dog out. Devin, are you right there? Right here. Yeah. So not only... Oh, God, I'm going to have to close Rob's door. Uh, not only do I feel like the, the Battlemaster is a phenomenal fighter archetype, you get these superiority dice to do these different maneuvers, and 90% of these maneuvers, the the die that you roll, which go up to, you know, they start at D8s, which is nothing to scoff at, and they go up to D12s, gets just added to your damage on these maneuvers. And then I think you could also take a feat too that increases them more from the rumor What would you increase them to more? You know, you, you could increase the number that you get of them, you mean? No, but I think you can increase the damage down a feet. I, I don't. What would you go up? You can't go up past D twelve. No, no, you're right. No, it does stop at D twelve. You're right. You're right. You can the the feet. I think increases it earlier or something like that. I forgot. I think. Yeah, I mean, right. you could take feats that will give you additional, more, more. Yeah, additional die. Yeah. Um, it's been a minute. Yeah, you're right. Man, I mean, that's that's not only not only I think is this a well-rounded fighter archetype. But you get to know up to what four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of these maneuvers in total by the time you're fifteenth level. You want to know what's weird for me in this class? What? So as far as a rating goes on this class, hmm. and this is going to sound retarded when I say it, it's going to sound stupid, right? Um, this class is so good, I can't rate it. An S. Why? Because I think it's an A plus, but I think it's an A plus only because I think it's the gatekeeper and the gold standard for every other class, every other fighter archetype that is made. If that makes sense. So what I mean by that is I will never put another class above this class in like the S tier, unless it's truly like, yeah, I would truly play this over the Battlemaster. Now, there are a couple classes that like I would say I would play instead of the Battlemaster. Like they're in the same range or like the A's and the A minuses. Like, yeah, they're totally fine. Or like even maybe even another like A plus. But I can't truly say I, I, I won't give this class like an I won't give it like an S plus for sure. I could definitely give it like a a plus or like even like an S minus. I feel like it's like it's so it's a great class. It touches it does everything perfectly. It's thematic. It's thematic. It gives you something to do as a fighter. You don't just you're not just you don't have to just swing your sword or swing your weapon every turn. It right. gives you something to do. The battles the superiority dice and the um and most of the maneuvers are not attached to a type of weapon. Right. So you can disarming strike with a bow. Right. So you can shoot the out of your hand or whatever. You can pin them and like you can thematically yeah. do that. Like, yeah, I shoot them. I shoot two I, arrows into their 
into their ankles. I also really like that you're not limited on the number of maneuvers and superiority die that you can use. You're only limited by the however, how you can only use one maneuver per attack. And fighters, if you level a fighter up to their level 20 capstone, you end up getting five attacks or four attacks, some crazy yeah. number of attacks. Oh, you can like go like insane and do crazy stuff, or if you yeah. really, really, plus really, action really, surge, really, you know, or if you really yeah, like but you, you can only use up to well to start. You can only use four, four. and then you get up to six. But right. well, I mean, if you're smart, the first thing you do, the first one you hit is trip oh. attack, and then every other attack you have that has advantage, has and then you just pound them into prone. the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> And then you just pound them into the dirt. That's really what you do. I mean, so you don't need all. Yeah, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is you can't do that every turn. Like, you blow all your dice on your first attack. That would be like your one turn. It would be like your one turn. Uh, Battlemaster also is a very, is a class for me that is very um, uh, nostalgic in the sense that they built this, they built the Battlemaster based on the 3.5 Tome of Battle. There were, th- there were three classes released in 3.5's Tome of Battle, and Tome of Battle was very specifically released with the point of making Melee feel special. Um, the three classes that were introduced in that were basically... You know, well, there were three classes, and there were, I think, a couple, of, a couple of prestige classes, but they were all introduced as Melee classes, but they all had something special. Um, and they introduced, like, maneuver cards. Um, or maneuvers. They introduced maneuvers specifically. So you had three classes. You had the Berserker. I think it was called Berserker. Or whatever. Yeah, I think it was the Berserker, the Crusader, and the... Fuck, what is the other one? The It's like a roguey class. Roguey monk class. Uh, hold on. Tome? No. Uh, is it the Crusader? For the... Is it a Berserker? Crusader was one of them for sure. Hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer this. Right now. Classes, Tome of Battle. Boom. Here we go. You had the Crusader. You had the Warblade. That's what it was. The Warblade and the Sword Sage. And then you had some other uh, prestige classes. You had like the Bloodclaw Master, the Bloodstorm Blade, the Deepstone Sentinel, the Eternal Blade, uh, which is a busted fucking class. Um, the Jade Phoenix Mage, the Master of Nine, the Ruby Knight Vindicator, the Shadow Sun Ninja, and all that stuff. Nobody cares about those. Well, they're not bad, but I don't care about those. I care about the Crusader, the Sword Sage, and the Warblade, um, because they're all very interesting. The Crusader is also a class I would is a pa- I would love to see the Crusader as a Paladin archetype because I think it's dope as fuck, and they haven't implemented anything like that in a class ever. Well, let's sit um, down and make one. Yeah, it's a it's a dope ass class. It's like a mix between almost like almost mixing like a Paladin. And a barbarian, because their whole thing was so they have their maneuvers, which is whatever, but they had something called Steely Resolve, which basically their Steely Resolve was a delayed damage pool. So they would take damage. Like if you hurt them, you hit them. Let's say you hit me for 20 damage, right? That would equate every 10 damage, every, every 10 damage was a, like a plus one. So we would have to, uh, for, that was for 3.5, so we have to adjust the numbers. Be like every 20 damage is a plus one or something like that. Um, but every 10 damage is a plus one. So basically what would happen was the knight would get hurt. It would go into a separate bank, right? Like a separate, like kind of like a, temp, a temporary damage bank. <laughs> and it would sit there. 
and the damage you kept in that bank would give you a bonus on your attacks and damage rolls. So you would get like a plus four or a plus five or a plus six to your attack and damage rolls. But then at the start of, I think at the end of your next turn, all the all the damage in your temporary would move to your actual damage. <laughs> So it was like this cool balancing mechanic and you had like maneuvers and shit that would heal you, but you're healing yourself and you're, you're healing your temp damage pool. So you're actually weakening your, your overall output of damage. So like it was like this weird level so, of keeping yourself damaged, yeah, so but also managing that while it was, yeah, it was really that'd cool. That'd be like your stereotypical, <laughs> like what I would think like of a, like a berserker barbarian almost where it's like, you want to be riding that fine line of constantly being bloodied and battered because you're yeah, going exactly. to be doing a far more damage output. But you're, again, you're running that line of, you know, should I, you know, should I get healed or should I not? Should I, you know, all right, but that's neither here nor there. We gotta try stay somewhat on. We're over an hour already, and we yeah. still have to at least do two of these. Um, Devin, what would you give the battle master? You said an A plus. I would give it. A, I, I'll give it an S. I'll give it an S. I'll give it an S in the sense of there is something above that could go above that, but I don't see it yeah, being too S, much. I would give it. An S. <laughs> yes, I'll give it an S. All right, Rob, what do you think of the battle master? Uh, well, first, I think that. Ryder really needs the nope, tactical assessment you do not need and tactical assessment at all. And rally. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Ryder needs nothing off of this list. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I will give it an A plus because our our assessment for S was if it was game breaking. And while this is really good and looks really fun to play, I don't think it's game breaking. You know what? No, that's fair. I stick with my original statement of previously that it's an A plus. It is the gatekeeper of A plus. I think it is the best a fighter class can be without being game breaking. So there you go. Rob said it best. A plus. Now. I mean, you're looking at what? 60, 12, Sawyer, I mean, this has it's, a crazy damage. It has a crazy output. damage output. It is one of the Potential. highest damage outputting classes. Yeah. Uh, no, it actually uh, uh, they crunch the numbers down. It's no, actually one saying, of. I'm the saying, if you chose to try to do, if you just chose to try to blow as many of your maneuver die and and, and superiority die in in the first round of combat at high yeah, levels. You have such a high potential damage output. Yeah, as far as as far as Nova rounds, there are there is enough there are very few classes that can compete with the with the Battlemaster. There's very few there's very few that can compete with um the Battlemaster in the fighter circuit. There's only a, a handful of them that yeah, get close. I, I'm gonna have to agree with, with you and Rob. Like I, I do think this is probably my favorite and and most likely the best fighter arch- archetype so far. Yeah. But like you guys said, I, it's it's, it's the not benchmark. Necessarily... It's the Captain America. It's the Captain yes. America of. But at the same time, classes. it's it's not it's not game breaking at any given point. It, it only gets better, and it 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 scales extremely well. Um, and, and it only gets better the higher level you get. But it's not one of those like. Like the wild shaped druid, uh, the circle of the moon druid, where it's like, well, okay, once you hit your level twenty capstone, 
you're fucking pretty much a god. You know, it, it's not something yeah. like that, but it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's an A plus. I will across say, the board. I, I will say, I think there's only two two fighter classes that come close to it. Two, maybe three, but we that one is. There. I think there's only two that come close to it. Uh, the next one up is Cavalier. Rob, do you want to read Cavalier for us? Sure. Cavalier. Notice proficiencies. When you choose this archetype at third level, you gain proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice. Animal handling, history, insight, performance, or persuasion. Alternatively, you, you learn the one language of your choice. Born to the saddle. Starting at third level, your mastery as a rider becomes apparent. You have advantage on saving throws made to avoid falling off your mount. If you fall off your mount and descend no more than 10 feet, you can land on your feet if you are not incapacitated. Finally, mounting or dismounting a creature costs you only 5 feet of movement rather than half your speed. Unwavering Mark. Also at third level, you can menace your foes, foiling their attacks and pushing them, uh, punishing them for harming others. When you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you can mark the creature until the end of your next turn. This effect ends early if you are incapacitated, or you die, or someone else marks the creature. While it is within 5 feet of you, a creature marked by you has disadvantage on any attack roll that doesn't target you. In addition, if a creature marked by you deals damage to anyone other than you, you can make a special melee weapon attack against the marked creature. It's a bonus action on your next turn. You have advantage on attack rolls, and if it hits the attack's weapon, deal extra damage to the target, uh, equal to half your fire level. Regardless of the number of creatures you mark, you can make this special attack a number of times equal to your strength modifier, minimum of once. And you regain all expended uses of it when you finish a long rest. At 7th level, you get warding maneuver. At 7th level, you learn to fend off strikes directed at you, your mount, or other creatures nearby. If you are a creature you can see within 5 feet of you is hit by an attack, you can roll a d8 as a reaction if you're wielding a melee weapon or a shield. Roll the die and add the number rolled to the target's AC against the attack. If the attack still hits, the target has resistance against the attack's damage. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your constitution modifier, minimum of once, and you gain all expended uses of this when you finish a long rest. Uh, hold the line. At 10th level, you become a master at locking down your enemies. Creatures provoke an opportunity attack from you when they move five feet or more while within your reach. Uh, and if you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, the target speed is reduced to zero until the end of its current turn. First charger. Starting at 15th level, you can run down your foes whenever you're mounted, whether you're mounted or not. If you move at least 10 feet in a straight line right before attacking a creature and you hit with the attack, the targets must succeed on a strength saving throw. Uh, or be knocked prone, and you can use this feature only once on each of your turns. Uh, Valiant Defender. Starting at 18th Vigil. level, you respond to danger with extraordinary vigilance. In combat, you get a special reaction that you can take once on every creature's turn except your turn. You can use this special reaction only to make an opportunity attack, and you can't use it on the same turn that you take another normal reaction. Holy shit. That's like endless freaking opportunity attacks. And that with the hold the line thing? Mm. Dude, that's gnarly. This, this I'm is not gonna obviously... Lie. I want to play this, and I want to play it on top of Devin's Centaur. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a half yeah, yeah. I yeah, told you. Obviously, oh, like, great. It's, supposed, 
uh, the, thematically, obviously, it's supposed to be like a mounted guy, uh, guy using a lance, like the cross classic, like right. knight yeah. with the the lance kind of thing. <clears throat> We're gonna have to do, that. yeah. You know, if 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 our if our characters die in Misthaven or if they retire off happily into the sunset that'll be our next thing is yeah we're gonna be we're gonna be brothers who our parents were very just generous with with the adoption um and they adopted a centaur and a halfling yeah (laughs) either a halfling or a gnome (laughs) one or the other or a goblin just to fuck with people yeah i like this would that drive you crazy rob Yes, it absolutely would. It absolutely would because when you stack on the barbarian subclass with it, it's it's insane. Yeah, like this is truly like because we said like there's there aren't really tanks in D anD D. Like this is the closest that comes to a tank, quote unquote. Yeah, there's, yeah. The, there's no real <laughs> tanks. There's damage sponges, um, and there's classes. There's certain classes like that's why I do like the path of the ancestral guardian a lot for the barbarian. Because they 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 feel like a real tank, um, whereas well, this one if you dove into, you, you know, harking back to the the example of like my halfling riding on Devon's centaur and Devon like rode in into the middle of a bunch of you know mobs, and then on each of the mobs' turns, if they tried to move, I get to take an opportunity attack, and if I hit, their speed is reduced to zero, like Sentinel. Now they can't move. We're literally keeping everybody locked in around us. Yes, because with yeah. the mark, the mark it can do makes it have a disadvantage on anyone other than you. It has that thing where if it, someone else is attacked, they can roll the d8 and add that to their their AC. And if it's hit, even if it still hits, they they get advanced resistance to the damage. Yeah, uh, and then they have the one where they can provoke opportunities within five feet and turn it to zero, right. and then they get the multiple. Opportunity attack. So it's like, yeah, this is definitely like the closest you could get yeah. to a tank. Exactly, and, that, and that's why. Like, and I would laugh. Like you combine that with the with the ancestral guardian barbarian, because like they have like they they have ancestral protector when they rage, um, and to the start of their next turn, they uh, any target that they attack has disadvantage on on a, any attack rolls that isn't against the barbarian. And if they do hit a creature other than the barbarian, the creature has resistance to all damage types. All all damage of that target's attack. <laughs> yeah. So it's like there, and then you have spirit shield, getting at six level. Um, if I'm raging and a creature I can see within thirty feet of me takes damage, I can use my reaction to reduce that damage by two d six. That goes up to three d six at tenth and four d six at fourteenth. Yeah, it, the the barbarian and this halfling fighter would perfectly match well together. <laughs> riding into pretty much any situation, anything, <laughs> and then like just destroying everyone. It would be fun. Yeah, it would be a good time. Huh. All right. Uh, so, Devin, what would you rate the Cavalier? Um, I would give it a B plus. B plus. All right, Rob. What about you? I am close to the same. I was thinking A minus. A minus. You know, I was thinking pretty much right on the border of both of yours, but I'm going to lean more towards the A minus side of this because of the cheese fact. No, not even because of that. Because thematically, this sounds like a super fun class to play. It it does. The only reason why I'm giving it a B plus to an A to A minus is because thematically, while it's fun as hell, uh, outside of our ch- specific cheese situation, being mounted is usually a bitch. 
True. <laughs> I mean, true. Yeah. I mean, the really the only thing the board of the saddle is really the only thing that's completely for mounted. Like everything else, like even the Ferocious Charger says you could do it whether you're mounted or not. So right, right, right. right. Did you rectify that? I know, like in previous mounted classes that were like, like I think there was previous in, like Paladin subclasses and like Fourth and whatever that required like being mounted. And I'm like, this is not good. Right. Like you give me this mount, but this mount's not very sturdy. <laughs> It dies. See, yeah, this no, um, this just pretty much shows like if I if I was a halfling riding on 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 your on your back, uh, and I got knocked off, I can land on my feet. I can only I can feet. I only need to use five feet of my movement to get back on you. Y'all, y'all. De- Devin is going to one day be my mount. And I'm okay. Believe it or not, I came up with this idea. So <laughs> so that is an A minus overall. Yep. Uh, that we've rated the Cavalier. I'm I'm very I'm very surprised with work you know, just where we are with the fighting archetypes so far, comparatively speaking. We've been very heavy on bees, handing out bees uh lately. And so far we have two we have one B, two A's and a D, essentially. Honestly honestly I do think a lot of the fighter archetypes, um, when I read them, they're either like pretty good or they're hot trash. Um, <laughs> now, or yeah. correction, they're either pretty, they're either pretty good, or they're the arcane archer. Um, <laughs> if they had done with arcane archer what they did with battlemaster, where you could do it four times and then like, or you know, you get up to six. The more, the more I think been... about it, the more I think about it, they should have just tied it to superiority dice, like the yeah. same way. Gave yeah. you four superiority dice. Say you can expend your superiority dice to cast one of these like magic arrows. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and there you go. Boom. Done. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's, that's the, the damage, and that's the damage type. It scales with you. That's the thing too. Done. Is like you. There's nothing that says you can't just say that a superiority die is linked to a fighter class. It doesn't have to be linked to a specific subclass. So yeah, you could have given superiority die and had it work the same way to the arcane archer and just had those fuel the various yeah. different types of shots that you had instead. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. But hundred percent, or just, um, or they could have, or they should have went the way of the art of the Eldritch Knight and just gave it spell slots, and you could burn a spell slot to cast an arrow instead. Um, I don't know why they did that. So I'd like to at least by minimum get through one more of these. The champion's Um, pretty quick. I think we can knock that out relatively quick. Yeah, and then we can Um, call it there, and then pick up from the gunslinger one. Yeah. Um, well, from the Echo Knight on. Well, yeah, Echo Knight and uh, Gunslinger. So, I will say, Devin, I'll have you read the champion. I will say, a lot of people find this particular archetype for fighter boring, because it, it is just, I'm going to continue swinging at things. It's a pure, it's a pure damage, uh, subtype. So, I, the, the thing about, the I thing like about this, this as a subtype. It's a good subtype. It's a very good subtype, and it's a really good subtype if somebody is brand new to like tabletop gaming, because there's not a lot of stuff for them to really like track. It's not the most like flashy class. It's not really great. But the thing about the champion that makes the champion good is it's consistent and it's kind of straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna every turn you're gonna be doing the same thing. You're gonna be attacking, and that's pretty much all you're gonna be doing. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, because the thing I is, think, it's super consistent. I think that's and one of the things that I like about it is because I'm the type of player. 
I'm okay not having to sit there and sift through 40 different spells to figure out what I'm going to do. Exactly. Exactly. Now I'm not going to lie. Now I'm not going to lie. Sometimes that does get boring because sometimes the wackiness of the wackiness of your character or like the, the quirkiness of your character is sometimes attached to your class and what your class can and can't do. So it kind of limits you in the realm of being the champion. Now, is that really a big deal in the grand scheme of things? No. Uh, if you're just going and sitting down at a table once a week or once a month and you're playing a D&D game and you just like, I need, I want something. I don't want to manage a lot of books. We don't, you know, we play on and off. We play weird frequencies. I don't want to have to remember spells. I don't want to manage a lot of like different things that I have going on. I just yeah. want to show up and give results and you know, there's nothing wrong with going fighter champion because you you're going to make an impact because the fighter champion is just consistently while the battle ma- the battle master puts out more damage overall, the champion's actually not too far off. It's pretty close because it's just consistent across the board. Right. Um now saying so, that, let me get into yeah, it. Yeah, I was gonna say let's <laughs> let's dive on into it. Yeah, yeah, I'll say that. Let me get into it. So uh, at third level, you get improved critical. Um, when you choose at third level, you're what you score a critical hit on a roll of 19 or 20. So your critical hit chance jumps from a 5% to a 10% um, off rip. Then you uh, at seventh level, you get remarkable athlete. Starting at seventh level, you can add half your proficiency bonus rounded up to any strength, dex, or con checks you make that doesn't already use your proficiency bonus. In addition, when you make a running long jump, the distance you can cover increases by the number of feet equal to your strength mod. Uh, at 10th level, you get an additional fighting style. Um, you can choose a second option from the fighting the fighting style class feature. So the ones we talked about earlier for yeah. fighting styles, uh, you can get a second one, um, which is creates for some interesting, interesting uh, builds. Uh, yeah, now I will say, so... Th- this is like the perfect opportunity, especially with this archetype. If you've ever like, say you're used to playing a barbarian, like, okay, I played Jax for a long time and I loved running up, getting into something's face, you know, regardless of what it was and just smacking it. The second it took to the air, I sat there with my thumb up my ass because there's nothing you can do. This perfectly balances that out. If you want to be like a halberd wielding fighter or, you know, a dual wielding, you know, swords or whatever, take archery for your second fighter style. Carry a bow on your back with a quiver. That way, if whatever you're fighting decides, hey, I'm going to fuck off into the air for, you know, 40 feet, stow your weapon, draw your bow, and start plucking arrows at Asari. Well, also, what fixes that too is. What fixes that specific thing? You don't even need the style, but what fixes that specific thing is that you can be a you can be dex based. Um, I mean, fair, yeah. IV. So I mean, if you're like you want to be like a champion that uses like a rapier and like runs in and like uses a rapier and be dex based, you can. Um, and then if they take to the air, you pull that out. Now there's advantages to being dex based over strength based and strength based over dex based. Dex based users are going to have a higher AC. You're usually going to have um, more versatility and damage types because you can do with range in that. But uh, pound for pound, when it comes to actual dealing damage, your strength modifier, your strength, your bigger sh- like strength weapons, like your two-handers, are going to be your more 
uh, reliable sources of damage. Also, so, if you want to take that archery thing, talk to your DM. If you are a strength-based character, I mean, we just had this conversation in, in another chat um, not too long. It might have been last week's druid thing. Uh, there are bows out there if you if your DM allows it that are that strength-based bows. Well, it, the it thing requires about this, a the, minimum strength to even use it, and then the well, damage the is all thing, based off your strength. So the thing about I, I laugh like, and this is uh, another side thing, but I'm gonna do it real quick because uh, it does tie back into this. Uh, as bad as this movie is, uh, I think the one thing they got right. Uh, I'm talking about uh, the Scorpion King with the Rock. Um, they got archery right. I don't, you know, people is like I don't know, like you can go with Tolkien, you can go wherever you want to go with it. Um, but they gave like archery as just like this elegant, not strength requiring like now, elven on. thing. Let me pause you right there, okay? Because I'm kind of on the same mindset as you, but I always think back to Lord of the Rings, like you said, Tolkien. I'm saying, I'm saying, like Tolkien, Legolas, like he gives them to like he gives them. Exactly, okay. exactly. But Plucking the thing arrows is, off and on, off and on. Then there's the scene where the Urukai fucking shoots these tree branches into Boromir and kills Boromir. That yeah. is a strength-based bow. <laughs> right, no, I hear you, I hear you. But then the question you have to ask yourself is, how either, A, how strong is, um, like, how strong is Legolas? So, if his bow... Like if his like compound bow right is gonna have any enough tension to do to like pierce armor and shit, how strong is he to be able to shoot and pull that that fast? Because like you can do like yeah, I can shoot a bow like I can whip arrows like crazy out of a bow with like a thirty pound string tension. You know what I mean? Like a thirty pound bow all day, I can whip arrows like a madman. But like you look at a bow that's like like with some of these bows. Do like pierce armor shit like you're gonna need a significantly stronger bow and this is not in like the time period where we have like compound bows that have like pulleys and shit that alleviate the need for strength <laughs> um you, you say that thing about legolas about how strong he needs to be and i immediately thought of like i pictured hawkeye right just yeah. with hulk arms yeah, because no, he's constantly I like that. pulling back the bow. The thing is, so the thing is, like the Scorpion King actually got that right. Like, there's like this, and, and there's a scene in the Scorpion King where you know, in the Scorpion King's played by the Rock, so he's a big dude, and it's like the Rock when he was smaller, which is funny. But, um, and the scene where like a bandit or random guy grabs his bow and tries to use it, and he can't even pull it, right? <laughs> because that would be the realistic like nature of a bow because they don't have those back then. So like those back then, bows back then are, you know, I would probably say a war bow. Let's see. War medieval. M E D I E V A L. That's nice. for me. It was close enough. War bow. Tension. So the, so according to an English longbow, back then was between 90 and 110 pounds of force. Right. So that was your draw. Right. bows either. That's, you know. Right. 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 So you're looking at like a compound. Uh, who used compounds? The, the Mongols? Don't, I don't know. Or they use recurves, not compounds. They yeah. use recurves. Compound bows are newer. Yeah. 
Do I use like recurves? Pull that. This is what see this is what you guys show up to SU for. You show up to SU for so like those so those uh the English ones were about seven eighty pounds, whereas the the old like recurve Mongol bows, they had a pull of around hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah, <laughs> between hundred and hundred and sixty. They were meant pounds. to shoot farther. They were meant to shoot further and they were meant to shoot, you know, they're the Mongols were pretty stout people. Um, so yeah, I mean, so I laugh. It's like, cause if you have like a strength score of zero, technically, I don't think you should even, you, you shouldn't even really be able to pull no. most bows. I, I looked it up in, <laughs> but, D, in D and D for the strength based bows. It requires a strength of 18. Right. Right. To even right, use right I'm saying, I'm sorry. All right. I'm saying they have the special strength based bow. I'm saying in just the general bow, like the basic bow right. by itself. Should not should be should have a strength requirement attached to it, but that's a separate issue altogether. Anyway, <laughs> so we're getting off the, we're getting the weeds. At fifteenth level, you get superior critical, um, which is very much like improved critical, except now you crit on a roll of eighteen to twenty. So you crit fish. Unfortunately, there's no kukuri in this game, which would double your crit range, but that's a separate issue altogether. Um, you you're basically critting fifteen percent of the time as opposed to 10% of the time, as opposed to 5% of the time. So you literally are critting three times as much as your average person. Um, you're also, as a fighter, fun fact, attacking more than your average person. Um, and at 18th level, um, you get Survivor. Uh, you attain the pinnacle of resistances in battle. At the start of each of your turns, you regain hit points equal to 5 plus your con mod if you have no more than half of your hit points left. You don't gain this benefit if you have 0 hit points. So there you go. So basically, when you drop below half HP, you're constantly regaining five plus um, with all your ability modifiers. That's huge, I'm going to stay five. You're yeah. constantly regaining ten hit points at the start of all your turns. Yeah, I mean, that's um, huge. Having having any form of re a player, I'll say, having any form of like regenerative powers. Yeah. Yeah. Is, now, great. It huge. can't go. It doesn't work when you get zero hit points, but that's fine. Well, yeah. That's fine. Like, but. Other than that, if you're under half health, it you're getting 10 HP a turn. And 10 HP is nothing to scoff at. That's better than your average healing potion. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. Um, superior critical is great. Because, like I said, when you put it in perspective, like you're like, oh, I mean, I crit on an 18, 19, 20. That's nothing. But when you look at the average crit rate, you're critting three times as much as the average person. And you're also attacking... Um, five, what? four or five times, four to what five times using. a turn. If you action surge, possibly more. <laughs> not well, not only that, but if you're if you're dual wielding, so right. So you're taking you know four to five if action surge up to like nine times a turn, just about damn near, and that's crazy. And think about attacking with advantage. Now you're doubling your chances of that. So you get it gets pretty crazy. Very easily, like for instance, if you want to be like, uh, be like a slight cheese ball, not really, but a slight cheese ball, you take the feat that gives you um, battle master maneuvers and take the trip attack, and then your first attack is that, and then you follow up all of your attacks with advantage on the guy on the ground yeah. with uh, 18 to 20 crit range with advantage. <laughs> yeah, you're potentially doubling your chance to crit. 
Yeah, so you're basically creating, I mean, that's not how direct percentages work, but you're basically creating 30% of the time, yeah. um, which is pretty damn sweet. Uh, now, so, are yeah. there anything, let me ask you this, if either of you know the answer to this, uh, are there any type of items that you could get, that a player could get in-game that would reduce their, their that would increase their crit range even beyond an 18 to 20? Do you know? I don't think in five either is. All right. Because see, uh, I know old school. Um, I know old school, like three point five of them. They ha- weapons had their own crit damage yeah, and crit range. Yeah, second. No, and crit range. Second edition yeah, had, had something own... similar. Yeah, they, that's why I laughed. I said there's no kukiri in this game because the kukiri in. Uh, <laughs> The Kukri and 3.5 was the Crit Fisher's go-to um, all day. It was the Crit Fisher's go-to because it crit the crit weapon by itself. It crit on an 18 to 20 by itself. So then, if you apply like the um, granted, they fixed a lot of that by not giving blanket modifiers in in 5e. Yeah, not They're stacking like static. certain things. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. static, but like if they were blanket in this case of just it says you uh you increase your crit range by 1 and then superior increased it by 2 instead of 1, you would crit on a 16 to 20. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose as a DM you could you could insert if you chose to. Which I mean, I'm 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 not saying you should. You uh, should, by you, all. No, you, you you could always put uh, you know on any type of item or weapon that you give somebody like your fighter here, um, and you could word it like a plus one bonus to your crit range, or just make it like because keen. then it's a bonus. Like, go back to being like I think there used to be something called keen weapons that did the same thing. Um, they would just give you a they would uh i think i think keen weapons used to increase the crit multiplier of damage but you could just say call it like a keen or call it however you want to call it just like hey you you you're getting a dagger or i wouldn't put it on anything bigger than a short sword um just because that will get out of hand right <laughs> i can already I, picture I, rob saying oh one of you motherfuckers wants to play a champion fighter now everybody wears adamantine armor every <laughs> single fucking enemy you come across <laughs> yep and then that's when I go cold shot. Does Adamantium Arbor have a face covering? Yes. <laughs> Does There's it have no cold shots? I'm I'm making it right now. If I mean, every if not, every if every enemy I face if every enemy I face has adamantium armor, there's call shots, sir. <laughs> I mean, I did if let you guys do cold shots on the Ivar fight. No, I'm just laughing. If my DM is going that far to BS me. There's call shots, sir. <laughs> well, then I can call shot you. Are you wearing a face mask? I'm not saying. I never said you couldn't call shot me. Well, I'm gonna call shot everybody now. Just keep, just keep the consistency of the modifier the same. I don't really care. Um, that's all I ask. So, okay, Rob, you've been real quiet during the the talk about this champion. What are what are your thoughts on this? That champion was supposed to be quick. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it, it was, was, but. Uh, Our tangent wasn't. The tangent was not quick. The champion was quick. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like it. It's it's basically like it seems like the generic like fighter, like what a fighter should be, kind of thing. Like yeah. this is what you expect from a fighter, kind of thing. So, 
Yeah, this would this would be like it, honestly, if I had to stat out and and give like a uh, a captain of the guard something, I might make him like a champion. You know, um, although I, I might make him a battle master now. But fucking, you want to go mess with the town guard? Cool. Here comes the captain. He's gonna start doing all sorts of crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's just that's just like the Royal Guard. They're all just a, a troop of battle masters. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, it would be the trip fight all over again. It's that it w- you wouldn't be dying every turn in falling down. You'd just be getting knocked prone every single time. You would just be trip. You would just be tripping every. Oh, round. trip be tripping. <laughs> all right, so Rob, what do you what do you rate what do you rate this one then? Um, I'd say probably solid B, maybe B plus. Do you have a preference of which one I'm just writing? I'll say B plus. All right, B plus. Uh, Devin, what about you? Uh, I'll give it an A minus only because like I it's it is kind of boring, but there's nothing actually wrong with this class. I can't find anything that's actually like oh well this kind of this this the like, it's nothing wrong with it. It's just kind of a boring class, but that's it. I am also going to give it an A minus, but I disagree. But that's just because of the playstyle that I'm used to. I'm very much the just I just want to run up okay. and hit stuff. So let me rephrase that. Is let me let me, me let me rephrase that. It's not a boring class. It's a class the class does not lend to RP. It is a class that by by definition Fair. does not really lend to RP. Um but that's it, it's a totally usable fine class. There's nothing wrong with it. But no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, I mean, unless you want to, like, when you make camp at night, if you want to challenge like your your com- traveling companions to long jump contests, then that could add to your RP. <laughs> Listen, you're a champion. Uh, you, you know, I I just picture you like I want to be the gold medalist at every Olympic event. Now, I challenge you see, to now, long see, now I just imagine you making a champion that just like takes it too far, and you just want to be the champion of everything. Like I'm you gonna... walk in the town and you see like and you see like a guy like selling silk, and you like set up a cart across the street. You're like I'm I the champion of I could do it I'm better. the champion of fucking fabric over That's here. That's right, right, and I. It's constantly in your character. You're just constantly like seeing shit that you I haven't done before. Just making, just, just making, ar- just making arbitrary gold medals yep. with a broken freaking neck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so with that, that became an A minus overall. Uh, man. All right. So I mean, I, we'll stop there and we'll pick up the other half of this this fighter list um, next week's episode. But uh, yeah, so far we got two A minuses, an A plus, a B, and a D. Man, okay, that poor that poor arcane archer. I think it was trash. Um, I want to do this. Uh, Rob, have you spent much time reading into the various uh, fighter archetypes at all? No. All right. I want I want your guess. This I'm gonna put a little special column for Rob's guess. Specifically. Uh where you think the overall grade 
of these next ones are going to end up being. Just Before, the next ones, not the ones we've already done? Not the ones that we've already done, because we already have the overall. I just said what they were. Uh, of just the next archetypes for fighter. Uh, so, starting with Echo Knight, where do you think Echo Knight, without reading into anything, just where do you think Echo Knight might You mean be? Eldritch Knight? No, Echo Knight is next. I don't see Echo Knight on my list. Okay. You so played I will give Knight, it a Rob? D. You played an Echo Knight! No, he didn't. No, I didn't. Didn't he play an Echo Knight? No. Didn't he play an Echo Knight? Was it in my game? He played a Reflectionist. Oh, yeah. Similar, but slightly different. Yeah, it is, it is very similar, but... Um, so, Echo Knight first. What would you say? Well, if it's like Reflectionist, I'll say A. Alright. Uh, the Eldritch Knight. Oh, did uh, I this one? B? Eldritch Knight. I didn't even write that one in. B. Uh, the Gunslinger. A. We got ABBA. Uh, <laughs> the Psy Warrior. C. C. Oh. All right. I'm just going by name. I have no, no that's fucking fine. clue. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, Rune Knight. What about the Purple Dragon Knight? I don't have that one. Well, I have one that you don't. Holy purple fuck. Dragon Knight's going to be S because it's a Purple Dragon. Hold on. No, purple, it's pretty ass. Purple Dragon <laughs> Knight. I gotta write these in. That's the thing is we don't all have the same list. Uh, so you're saying S? Yep. Uh, Rune Knight? Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, B? B, and then Samurai. I think the, pur- is the Purple Dragon Knight just a banneret. You said A? Yeah. I don't know. Is the purple? I don't think so. I think they had a lot more to go with it. The, um, maybe not. Hold on. Devin is confirming. I'm because I'm reading it, and when I type "purple dragon knight," it kind of not really sort of pops up. Um, and then when I'm reading it under here, it says the banneret serves as a generic name for the purple dragon knight archetype. If you use it in a campaign setting other than the Forgotten Realms. Or to model warlords other than purple dragon knights. Well, Rob, you said you have purple dragon knight on your list, correct? Mm-hmm. Can you click on it? Yeah. What is the first thing under the purple dragon knight? Restriction knighthood. Purple dragon knights are tied to specific orders of the Comerian knighthood. Okay, uh, but like, the, what's the first like ability besides that? I'm just curious. Rallying cry. When you okay. choose this archetype yeah. at third level, you learn how to inspire your allies. Yeah, it's rallying cry, royal envoy. Inspiring Surge and Bulwark. Okay, okay so, so it is, is the ba- the, the Purple Dragon Knight is the banneret with extra stipulations. Yeah. So you said the S and the banneret ended up being a B. Yep. All right. So well, I didn't know it was the one that we already did because yeah, it just said Purple Dragon Knight. You told I, me not to look at them. I didn't either. I didn't either. I'm crossing I mean, it out. I, yeah. Nobody knew that until right now. Yeah. We all just learned something new. All right. So we will do the rest next week. Uh, this will be where we end this episode because we're hovering around the hour and 40-minute mark. Jesus. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, so with that being said, Rob, do we have a science corner this week? Uh, yes. 
Anyone that's worried about a Jurassic Park dinosaur scenario, you don't need to worry. They tried to use CRISPR to bring back an, endang or, uh, an extinct species of the Christmas Island rat, and they got 95% of the genetic code, but they couldn't get up to 100%. Uh, so the 5% doesn't seem like a lot, but five, with missing 5% of genes, it's not the same. Like, they can't really do it, so... So they got Splinter without the Santa outfit. Yep. Man, I'd still call that a win. <laughs> um, also, I, I have a question about dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. For both of you. Have you ever thought about the fact that no human lived back when dinosaurs were around, right? So... When when we watch movies like Jurassic Park or we play games like Ark or, or any of these other games that have dinosaurs in them or whatever, the noises and sounds that they make were just made up by somebody. Like they that it's completely fabricated. We don't know what they actually sounded like. Uh -huh. Listen, I thought it was interesting. You were just like, hey, Webby, you're a fucking pile of shit. Stop, no. stop thinking about dinosaurs, Webby. It's like, yeah, okay, Rob. All right. I didn't say any of those things. You're putting words in my mouth. No. But it, no, it I mean, your, I do that uh -huh. because your vocal cords to make noise are, are skin, obviously. They can't find, like, skin in fossils. It's just right. bone. Yeah. I mean, you. we could base, we could, we could do a scientific basis based off of like diaphragm potential diaphragm sizes you know somebody with a bigger diaphragm usually has a much lower a, a lower toned voice but that's not always the case and i mean i just i really think it would be awesome if a t-rex really just kind of squeaked like just had a really squeaky roar well to be fair to be fair a t-rex i mean t-rex and chickens are distant relatives. So, I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's they true, might, too. They, they might just squawk. Yeah, that'd be even cooler. Just a T-Rex with just a chicken sound coming out of his mouth. What if a T-Rex just sounded like a rooster? Like, what if it just sounded like a uh, rooster? I want to kill all the T-Rexes. I don't like roosters. <laughs> oh, it's just like a really low, like, chicken sound. Bogok! <laughs> This is like a bad version of Eagle Man all over again. Eagle Man! <laughs> God damn it. All right. We have to end on Eagle Man. Devin, do we have life advice? I, uh, I do have top Eagle Man now. I do, I do have life advice, and I also am going to leave you guys with a question. Uh, that Feel free to like message Webby or email us or whatever um, with your answers. Uh, and it, we re we'll read good ones next week. All right. Life advice. Um, live a life of oh wells rather than what ifs. All right, there you go. I like it. Uh, I like and, it. And uh, here's my here's my philosophical question. Are we allowed to, end, to answer to this the... philosophical question? Or should yes, we... you are. Okay. You are. No, no, you are. You fine. Right. What is something every junk drawer must have in order to be considered a proper junk drawer? Fucking. Oh man, loose <laughs> loose screws uh, or nails. Rolls of tape without the tape dispenser cutter thing yeah okay yep yep that's fair uh i would definitely say like just random thumbtacks like not even in a container yep i'd say like that you may or may you play like a real like risky game every time you like reach your hand in there blind a flathead screwdriver but not a phillips head screwdriver 
a bunch of loose rubber bands. A bunch of those, uh, like, bread twist ties. Oh! Yep. Oh! The uh, light switch covers. <laughs> like, just a yep. random light switch or, or an outlet cover. <laughs> God, I'm just remembering what we used to have in our junk drawer, or what we still have <laughs> exactly. in our junk drawer. Uh, yeah, good old days. All right. Or here. This one's very, this one's very specific, but it's so true. Uh, a, a set of Allen wrenches that is missing the two most common sizes. Yeah. It has duplicates of the ones you will never use. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> because somebody already used the common one and didn't put it back. <sighs> There's like weird metal shaped things that you're like, I don't even know what this is to. <laughs> but right. you put it back anyway because yep. you might find yep. someday what it's, it's goes to. <laughs> yeah, or like you have that one mason jar full of like assorted screws and you look at it and you're like, I don't even know what any of these would fit, but you keep them anyway. <laughs> anyway. Instead of just tossing them. Yep. Like, it's kind of like, it's kind of the same thing with like those old phone chargers from like back in the day where it's like, I'm going to keep oh, these. No, Are these. That's a whole separate box. Nowadays, you, you, have to have a, you have to have a Tupperware tub somewhere in a closet that's just, just chargers that you, keep, that you keep looking at. You're never going to touch them, and you go, but I might use yeah. these someday. It's not even just chargers, though. It's like you, you would have like the power cord to a PlayStation 1. Yep, yep, yep. It's and like, then, I don't or, know what And then you have to. like old fucking old rubber bands that are yeah. so old when you try to stretch them over anything that they, they just snap. Yep. Or you yep. pick them up and squish them between your thumb and your forefinger, and they just crumble to dust. Yep. Yeah. All right. Anyway, with that being said, where people, where can people find you on the internet, Rob? You can find me on Twitter at Confessor underscore X and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Confessor X, where I will be playing tomorrow because tomorrow is Wednesday. Wrong. <laughs> uh, where can people find you, Devin? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at DMP underscore Pookie. You can find me on Twitch at Mr. D3. And as always, you can find me on eBay buying questionable dead batteries off off ebay for my junk drawer like they might be dead we're not really sure (laughs) all right uh also for those of you who kind of missed the nuance of all that rob was supposed to stream this morning but didn't because he thought it was tuesday all day but it's wednesday yeah Uh, you can uh, find me on ebay offering potato salad to old people well as always, everybody, <laughs> okay. you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Jacks Forest Walker, all one word. On Twitch at DM Webby, uh, I mainly pop in on other people's Twitches, but occasionally I will stream. Uh, you guys can also find me uh, in an alley buying Cabbage Patch dolls out of an uh, out of some dude's trunk. Face down in a ditch. You could have been reclining or sitting. <laughs> you had to be face down. As all, anyway, we love you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, and until next time, fuck Booster Gold and Eagle Man. Fucking love you. Where the fuck was the mouse? Where the fuck was the mouse? That was the best. Remind me to ask you a question after the outro music, Devin, because it might go longer than the outro music. I just want to end it. You don't slap the beer across the room. 